Welcome to This Book is Alive podcast, where we allow the living, breathing Word of God speaking to our heart and lives to this day. And, and I'm here with Brad. Brad's back! Everyone give a big round of hand applause to Brad. Yes! I'll have to put in some sound. Yes, I'll have to insert some sound effect here. (laughs) And we're back again. I'm so sorry I've been so behind. Like I say, school has consumed my life, and it's going to consume my life in about a month here. (laughs) But I wanted to do another podcast with Brad, and we're talking on adoption. And what was the field that you wanted to go into on adoption, Brad? So this would be part four. um, And since there's such a wide, um, such a wide subject um, and, uh, and doctrine that there's lots of areas that we can, we can touch on. Um, But one area that, um, that I thought of would be, um, like a, a dominion aspect about it. Uh, so if we're ready to get started, I'll start in Genesis 1, 26. Uh, yes, go ahead. Now, I'm pretty certain you're going to cover verse 27 that we always talk about, but go yes. ahead. <laughs> then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And that was Genesis 1 what? 26 and actually let me go to 31 okay uh, and God said see I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food also to every beast of the earth to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life I have given every green herb for food and it was so then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God created man to have total dominion over all of creation, to be kings over the earth. Yeah, and, you know, it's like this God established this thing, first thing off the bat, you know, and yet this is Genesis chapter 1. But in Genesis 3, unfortunately, which, I mean, it is the fall, but also it's like I would say the first adoption, mm-hmm. but it was the adoption away from God into the ways of the world and sin and death, you know? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but yeah. Yeah, like but. A, a, uh, or somebody said, you know, you're, you're serving somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things I heard, I mean, I, I heard stories of kids who were adopted or were being raised in a family where they were only kept there just for the money. And I'm, I'm in college and I'm hearing these teenagers talk about how, oh, he's prepared when he turns 18 because 
almost everyone who turns 18 who has no family, as soon as he turns 18, the family that's letting him live there are just keeping, are only letting him stay there for the money, will put all his stuff out. And will just leave his stuff outside on the front porch for him when he turns 18, saying, you're not welcome here anymore. Why? Because now they didn't get the money to take care of him. Huh. Which is really sad, but with me in this story, in Genesis chapter 3, I mean, God's a good God, but I mean, here what? But here comes Satan, the serpent, who comes in with his own deception, tricks them into basically handing over all dominion and authority to him. Now, I mean, technically, they can claim, oh, we we can do where we want without God's approval. But now you got death, destruction, pain, loss, hunger, all this other stuff. To where now it's like you're not dependent on God. Now you're dependent on yourself, and now you're just struggling to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really sad thing. And and it's really sad when I heard those stories of kids who've been adopted or don't have a family just being turned out. As soon as they turn eighteen, they're just thrown out of the house. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of issues with mm-hmm. the um, the foster care system and the adoption um, mm-hmm. system, and it's supposed to be a mirror image of uh, of God's adoption and what He's done for humanity. Um, but yeah, since men are involved, it now the adoption process doesn't exactly mirror the Lord at all. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You know, which is that. Yeah, and it's, it, and it's what we go on now. It's like we're either seeing God's power being demonstrated, or we're seeing sense power being demonstrated. Yeah, it's really well, the thin. adoption. Um, the 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 I guess the agency of it was made by the Catholic Church. That yeah. I don't know. You don't know. It, I really don't like, know that part. Like the well, the, the agencies that we have today, because it was monasteries mm. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and and that would that would go out and, and establish orphanages, um, and so it was supposed to be um, taking care of. Of the orphan, it was supposed to be mm-hmm. a picture of God's justice and righteousness. Yeah. But when people get involved, it gets corrupted, it gets messed up. Yeah. Which is really sad, and that's what we live with. And you know, I feel like I'm taking away from you. Go ahead with the whole dominion part, because I think it. These kids who don't have a family, they have no dominion. They have no authority. They're totally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know. And when you remove God from the mix of your adoption, you can treat whatever they want, you know? Yeah. You either treat her very highly or very wrongly, you know? And and that's what happens when you when God's not in the mix. You get whatever they give you, you know? Yeah. Well I mean that's the that's the the story of man is is pretty much we 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 had a nice setting, we, we had a good start and then it got messed up and now we're like orphans running around don't know what to do we have no <laughs> la- we just have a lack of purpose lack of 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 self-control dominion all of, of um well that's one of the things i've been always hitting with the verse from genesis 1 verse 27 which i think is very important and i think it ties in with dominion authority is verse 27 in genesis 1 
in the New King James Version, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And what do we have now? We got people who don't know their who, who they are, what their image is. And people, th and, and, and you know, I mean, it's, and, and one of the hardest things, there was, there's this TV show. I used to watch a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm going away from your notes, Brad. But there's this TV show called uh, Who Do You Think You Are? You ever watch that, Brad? That sounds familiar. It, it, it's, I think it just went off the air. It's been on for a while. And it was like how these celebrities, and they just go back in time and find out information about their family and who they are. And it's really interesting how when you go back in your family line and see where you came from, what they went through, your ancestors went through, it's and I noticed it while watching the show, it almost puts, it makes you feel a little bit more solid in life, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you're unstable or like you just don't know who you are. And it's like, and, and, and I've seen many TV shows where here's this kid, he wants to the kids like wants to know his mom or dad and then here comes this crime drama where they're trying to find them but it's like there's just something about finding out who your parents are who you where you're from it brings some it's almost like a little bit of a peace but also lets you know who you are yeah and i think that's what satan doesn't want us is to know who we are who are who are we who are you we're made in the image of god if satan can take that away from us and whose image are we bearing? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think if we don't know who we are, who we are, we cannot have the dominion authority that we have at our feet. We wouldn't know what to do with or why there. There's a reason why God wants us to know who we are because we're made in His image and we got to know Him. But go ahead, Brad. I think I went away. No, that you segued exactly into what. Um, was next to my notes. All was right. Man was made in, in his image, but man was made to be like God. Mm -hmm. Was to be made. Was to man was made to be like little little pictures of him running around taking control of to, or just you know getting things done, having dominion. It's supposed to be um, just a little image of him. So Leviticus nineteen two says, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I the Lord am Lord your God am holy. In John ten You know, you, you brought up something there that as soon as you're done with that verse, I want to say share something because it was so good that it and it's actually connected to the Lord's prayer. And the Ten Commandments that the Lord has shown me that I hope to share one day. But go ahead, okay, Brad. Well, hopefully this thought lines up with the scripture. Oh, it's, I think it will. <laughs> John ten thirty one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? And if he, came, if he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, 
You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. Oh, wow, Brad. You just... <laughs> I could go in three different directions right now. Three Brad. directions you could go with that one. But let me go back to the Leviticus... What was it? Leviticus... What again? Verse 2? 19.2. Where it says, Be holy as I am holy, if I remember right the verse. And then the part where Jesus said, I did all these good work. Why are you about to stone me? And it's like, oh, and, and you know, there's there, and I never got to this part in my podcast. In the third commandment, which is, Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. The way I grew up with is it meant don't use the Lord's name in cuss as a curse word, you know, and that was it. And one day I'm watching a program. I wish. I, if I knew I was going here, I would watch it again because I can't remember it now. But it brought out something that I think ties in with the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer goes like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed be thy name had been a real stickler for me. I read that prayer. I didn't know what hallowed meant. I saw this one preacher say, hallowed means to worship the Lord. And I'm like, okay, I'll worship the Lord. And unfortunately, I don't have a concordance here to show it, but I looked up that Greek word for hallowed. The, hallow, the word hallowed can be translated to be holy. So, and that's how he was referenced, like holy. Oh, it says holy, though. I mean, holy, holy, Lord, you're holy. But it also can be translated to purify or to sanctify. Mm -hmm. So why would God's name be so in dire shape of being sanctified or purified? God's name has been around, let's say, I guess 4,000 years at that time. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to pray, Lord, may your name be sanctified and purified? Why? And you hit it already, Brad. We are made in God's image. But what did God also say? Don't make engraven images. Mm. Well, what, we, what do you do when you make a graven image? You're making a being out of something. What did God do with Adam? He made a being out of the dust of the ground, breathed life, and made it alive. We each have, have an image of God to live up to. But yet, here's the thing. Do you... You and me really love up to that. I mean, I know I have sinned. I had I had done things like, why did I do that? You know, and we're all guilty of that. But there's this story I heard. I've read this story, and just imagine with me. Here's this great big tower. You could say Trump Tower or whatever tower you want, and the most powerful, richest guy in the world lives on the very top floor, but no one ever sees him or hears from him. No one knows what he looks like. Because he lives his office at the very top of the floor, and it's very high. But he has a daughter. The daughter is always on the ground floor with the people. Would the people judge him by the character of, her of his daughter? I'd say so. So, she's an image of what her father really like. So here's the question. How is she going to behave? Is she is the most wonderful, loving, kind, good girl. 
everyone in that building going to think that he's the same way, even though he might be a jerk. Hmm. Although he might be a great guy. But they're judging him by her. And if she comes in like snobby, rude, all this other stuff, they're going to think that he's the same way, even though he might be the most wonderful guy you ever met. And we, and unfortunately in this day and age, I have seen good, godly, Christian men and women that are just like, I, I, I think, I honestly wish I would like them in some ways. You know, they're just wonderful. But unfortunately I have met Christians who would lie like a dog <laughs> and twist scriptures to get their way with you, unfortunately. And I've seen that, you know, and it's really disturbing. And here's the thing. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Granted, maybe we're not cursing God out of our mouth, but how much do you think God's name is blasphemed by our bad characters? And if we're living good character, we're awfully glorifying God's name. I think in Jeremiah, unfortunately I don't have the verse, I think in Jeremiah it talks about the Lord said, you, you made my name sinful, so I'm having to purify my name by seeing judgment on you. Mm-hmm. And I think even Apostle Paul talked about, I think in the book of Romans, about that where it's like you're doing stuff that is bringing disgrace and dishonor to God's name that needs to be purified. I mean, we are the living embodiment of what God is like. But unfortunately, because we have sin and corruption came in, we're always turning back to God's word in his Bible and, and checking our hearts like, God, have I gone astray, you know? But the prayer of hallowed be thy name, I think is very important because even though we maybe had the best of intention, I have done things where I just went blatantly committed a sin, and then later I thought, what did I just do? You know, it was just so weird. But anyway, go ahead, Brad, if you got any other thoughts on that. Um, no, I like the analogy with the man in the tower and judging his daughter. Um, yeah, I love that story too. Thankfully, yeah. I remembered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but the one other thing you brought out, Brad, was, um, what was it, John chapter 10? Mm-hmm. Can you read that again for the audience? Please read that first again. Sure. All right. Thank you. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? And that's something I have noticed too, is like, I have read many stories of Christians God led them to do something, and here were all these other Christians fighting them, saying, God never told you to do that, even though what they were doing wasn't even sinful. Hmm. <laughs> and it's really weird how people try, and I, it just seems to come across, it's like they're just, people just come to a point where it's like they're trying to make you into their own image or their own opinion, like, no, God's telling you this, and I'm like, no, I mean, 
I think people do that to me. It's like God. Yeah, that's a weird place to be in in the, in, in church because oh. you got people who claim to be something or they claim mm-hmm. to have the word of God and they and they say something, um, mm-hmm. but it contradicts what God told you, and now you're second guessing yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> there was that. Uh, I think it was in Chronicles mm-hmm. about that guy who God told him to do something, and he said, "But don't take, uh, don't take this road home, and don't." Uh, or don't go into oh, anybody's house. Wait a minute. That was, I, I know that story. It's um, he's an unknown named prophet. He goes up to wasn't it Jezreel or somewhere Something to like rebuke, that. to pronounce a curse. I think what was the king's name Josephus. It was a. I think it was just no, no. It wasn't Josephus. Before that. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. It's not Josephus, and he he gave a rebuke. And the word of the Lord was he was not to go the same way. He wasn't to, I guess he wasn't supposed to yeah, stop. He was to go into people, somebody's house or something. He wasn't turned back. He wasn't go, he supposed to eat there or do anything, but just go straight home. And there, it talks in the Bible of a prophet who backslid. Well, yeah, and then it was, and then that prophet stopped him and said, well, I, I'm also a prophet, and God said for you to come mm-hmm. and go into my house. And it's like... Now he listened to him because it, the other prophet, even though it was different, even uh, a direct command from God. Yeah, and I, unfortunately, I had happened to me. I had people tell me things that they said the Lord told them. I did what they said, and then they basically laughed and mocked me because I actually listened to them. And I mean, I had, I mean, I could go on, but it's like, yeah. but it's crazy. But yet. It, clearly, the false prophet, backslidden prophet, lied, and I'm not judging the prophet who listened to him, but he got punished by God because of what he did, mm-hmm. you know. But guess what? The false, the backslidden prophet didn't get punished. He does. Yeah, that's weird. He doesn't get punished, but he goes and gets that slain prophet's body, takes him, buries him, and tells his. I think he tells his kid, "When I die." Bury my bones with his bones, so I will not. So my bones won't be destroyed. Hmm. And, and which is really concerning to me because I have seen Christians who, and I, I I'm sorry I'm bringing up Christian, but it's like you know that's what's one of the things I grew up with most. But I have met Christians who were not afraid to lie or trick or deceive to get people to do your way, and which is really sad. But it's like. I think of Genesis chapter 3. The serpent deceived and lied and dead trick Adam even to sinning. But yet, it and just think of the punishment Adam and Eve went through since then, you know? Now, did the serpent get punished? He did. I mean, he lost his legs and arms or whatever he had, wings. Actually, what's crazy is they found in a, what was it, a rock quarry in Israel? They found a skeleton, fossilized skeleton of a snake with legs in it, which was very, very crazy. But actually, I think I'm digressing, so I better let you go because I'm taking up most of your time, Brett. Well, I mean, bottom line with the whole prophet versus prophet thing. Mm-hmm. If you are confident that you heard the word of God mm-hmm. and somebody tells you something different, just listen to what God told you. Yeah. Even if it's somebody you trust. 
And I, I would also add, like, if it doesn't go against Scripture, what you said God told you to do, then I would say do it. But I, I even think people claim God told them to do something, and it was like, uh, you do know that goes totally against Scripture, you know. But, yeah, well, like in Acts where yeah, definitely. God told Peter, kill and eat. Yeah. It goes against scripture. Yeah, but it turned out he wasn't telling him to eat food. It was actually saying, teaching him not to call Gentiles unclean, mm -hmm. you know. And there was a reason for it. But, yeah, but go ahead, Brad. So, um, what I wanted to get to was that, um, was that Jesus, uh, was the, he, he was the manifestation, the incarnation of God mm -hmm. on earth, and he lived a perfect life with authority and dominion, mm -hmm. and he demonstrated how man was originally supposed to walk on the earth, mm -hmm. and how they were supposed to be a proper image of, um, of God. And so, well, well, what I would say is, he's the perfect model. I would say, of how yeah. to be a be a human. You know, who's the perfect model? And he, in Matthew six, mm -hmm. went through the same tests that Adam and Eve went through um, in the garden, and he passed. In Matthew six. Matthew six. Twenty. Oh wait, no, I pulled up the wrong one. I thought that was wrong. <laughs> um, let's see. I think that's in. Well, I know what you're talking about because he said that um, the temptation of the Messiah in the garden. Let's see. Well, there's the garden and there's um, the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Where you fast for 40 days. Mm -hmm. Chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> um, so there is a, he's, he goes out and he's hungry mm -hmm. and, um, and, Verse 3, if you are the son of God, command that the stones become bread. And he retorts back with, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he, so he did not really have to, he faced temptation, but there really wasn't, didn't seem like there was much of a fight with the temptation, mm -hmm. much of a back and forth, because it was immediate that God's word stands more true and more sharp than any deception, mm -hmm. any sort of temptation. Mm -hmm. That, uh, obviously, Adam and Eve <laughs> didn't feel that way. Which is sad. We'll have to actually probably do a podcast about Adam and Eve and break it down. Well, I've got tons of breaking down of Adam and Eve. <laughs> well, just don't break down a move, okay? Bust down. Uh, Bust in a move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so man was made to be kings. Perfect, spotless, without flaw, without worries, without shame, 
to be like God in almost every way. Christ is the fulfillment of that. Think about his kingly dominion over the storms and how a tree died just because he told it to, how he walked on water, and how just by a touch or a word, the curses from the fall, like disease and lameness and blindness, would leave. He walked how man was originally designed to walk, and he did this by being put at a lower status than angels. All men, all men were made lower than angels, but Christ's work after death put him at a higher status than angels, and he brings us along with him. And that's in Hebrews 2.5, Hebrews 1.4, and 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3, talking about um, Christ being made lower, then Christ being made higher, and then Paul talks about um, us judging angels. Well, one of the things that intrigued me when you said that is like, you know, you said Jesus made himself lower than angels, but you see, it's like with us. I mean, it's hard to let, actually lower yourself in front of people. And yet that's what God wants us. He's like, lower yourself before me, repent of your sins, you know, and come to me, you know. It, it's, that's probably maybe the hardest thing because yeah. it's, there's such a pride and be the tough guy in this world that it's like God's not asking you to be tough. He asks you to be humble and submit and repent and turn mm-hmm. from your wicked ways. That's the truest mark of dominion and mm-hmm. authority is yeah. meek, humble. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like in uh, Mark, was it Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, I think it is? It says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Yet it's like, but, but yet the way I seen with some Christians, it's like, blessed are those who are tough and not afraid to yeah. back down from a fight. You know, it's like... You're going so against scripture, you know, and I think I think five promoted, you know, inside churches. Yeah. But you know, God wants us to be meek before Him and actually humble ourselves before Him, you know. And I'm not saying humiliate yourself. No, God's not asking us to humiliate ourselves. He asks us to humble ourselves before the Lord. Says we can't do it. We can't. We're not strong enough. I'm not tough enough to fight my own sins or make it to heaven or live a righteous life. We're, we're incompetent, Lord. We need your help. Yeah. And one thing I want to clear up is when we talk about dominion, mm-hmm. we're not talking about um, this new age movement that's gone through Christianity mm-hmm. where the name it and claim it, Catalambano, um, the... Uh, just the stuff that's way out there. I'm talking about dominion over flesh, dominion over, um, over, um, over, uh, well, on a more spiritual sense, there's dominion over um, demons and things of, and workers of darkness. Um, there's dominion over yourself with the um, fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is... Um, well, one of the things that I think, I don't know if this is the highest dominion that maybe all humans have the biggest trouble with, but yet food. I mean, what was the first temptation that mm-hmm. Eve I mean, has and Jesus had? It was over food. It's like, it's hard to say no to the body as it screams bloody murder at you to eat, you know? And 
I was reading it, and I think it was in John, the Gospel of John, I think, where the Pharisee came to Jesus asking, why are your disciples not fasting like we are, John the Baptist? And he's like, well, why should they fast when I'm here? I can't remember how he said bridegroom, yeah. but when the bridegroom leaves, they'll be fasting. Well, why would they be fasting when the bridegroom leaves? Because clearly in passionate love towards them that they need him to come back, that they're, they're just go without saying, we need you. We need you. We cannot do this without mm -hmm. you. It's almost to a point of saying food and life is not worth pleasing ourselves without you here with us, Lord. We need you. And that was the thought that went from my head. Yeah. Let us cast off all fleshly desires and mm -hmm. and all and 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 even was it fleshly desires, fleshly lusts? Uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride yeah. of life. And cast all of that off, even denying ourselves mm -hmm. food sometimes, all to get a little bit closer to get a glimpse mm -hmm. to just get more time or experience um, mm -hmm. with the living God that is true and that loves us and that made himself a man to die for us in the form of his son I would say he's the uh, perfect model of a man yes and through Adoption. Mm -hmm. Christ is our brother, mm -hmm. and God is our father. Mm -hmm. And if Christ is our brother and God our father, then we are co-inheritors of the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. where true dominion and authority and power come from. And one day the whole world will be changed. <laughs> That'll be nice. Everything will be made right. That'll be so awesome. Christ so awesome. will be king. Everything put under him. It'll be a good day. Mm -hmm. And we can rule and reign with him. All right. All right. Um, and anything else? That's it for me. Okay. Well, I'm basically it. We did uh, about 34 minutes already. So, you want to do the prayer bread? Yes, do you have it? Unfortunately, I left it at home. <laughs> but it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Where is it? Is it where? Um, I think it starts at 22. Okay. Chapter 1, verse 17. Okay. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, which are his riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Say 22. Uh, you can stop at 23. Okay. In which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills all in all. Amen. And may the Lord bless you all.